a joy to be here with you. We knew it would be when we arrived on Friday and saw the fun had already begun, and it has been really joyful. I would say the word that comes to mind is there is just a profound ease in this community, and uh, it's been a joy. Quote, the first time I understood the gospel uh, was because it was paired with the Holy Spirit. That, that was a quote from this morning, just one of our people being baptized. What an amazing thing you have in this church, just this, the gospel being proclaimed and lived out with the Holy Spirit. And you ought to know that what we've just done, seeing 10 young people share their story, living faith is absolutely extraordinary. It truly is extraordinary. There is so much fruit in this church. There is a deep hunger for Jesus. There is, as I said, ease. And um, Bob said to me last night, we were talking about the fun in the room. He said, you know, it's like the tinderbox for celebration is always ready to be lit. But what a great phrase. I'm going to steal that. And I've stolen it now, Bob. So, uh, And I just had a sense, just uh, as a word popped into my head just uh, for you as people were being baptized and sharing their testimonies. This is a vintage year. This is a vintage year, and a vintage because I Googled it. A vintage year is a year in which the wine that is produced is of excellent quality. And just uh, just know, ju- I, w- I, I want to say that just so you can savor. This isn't normal. I know in the kingdom this is, th- this is normal, but this, is like, this isn't happening everywhere. There's something very precious among you. You're stewarding it beautifully. I just would want to say in closing before Amy uh, does her bit. Uh, this is because of the grace of God, amen? amen? But this has been stewarded so beautifully by your leaders. And uh, I just want to... I would like to say, in, in the nicest possible way, they're not normal. Uh, there is the, uh, the ease I spoke about. It's in them, isn't it? You know, you are an uncontrolling church. You have uncontrolling leaders. They are undefended. They are so deeply secure in who they are. And that is, it's not the cause, but leadership, you see, it can be be stewarding or it can be an obstacle. Your leaders are not getting in the way of what God is doing. What's happening is what God is doing, but they're not getting in the way. And I would love just to spend a moment just to honor them uh, with a round of applause. Can we do, would you join me in that? Before I pray uh, just and, and start, um, I just also, just in case there's not a moment, uh, when praying for this church as well, I just saw um, like a wood burner. And, uh, and in the wood burner, it's got this like perfectly set uh, fire. Like I love, I love uh, fires because I'm a cold person, hence wearing the jacket <laughs> until I come up here. Now I'm getting warm. Um, but I light my, uh, we've got a fire and I, I light a fire like all the time. And um, and it's, you know, when you sort of have the fire lighters and then you've got the kindling beautifully set and then you've got the logs and it's like ready, perfect. I just really feel like this community has got this like perfectly set fire that is just like ready to like, 
I really feel that. Um, so I don't know how that, uh, I mean, it's obviously you're on fire already, but I feel like there's this sort of, this your, there's a readiness for more of the Spirit uh, to come upon your church. Anyway, so I don't know what that's going to look like or how, uh, but yes and amen. Uh, I say, and uh, as uh, I join my yes for Johnny and uh, my thanks to with Johnny, and thank you so much for having us. It really has been a huge privilege uh, to be here. But let me pray quickly um, as before we begin. Oh, Holy Spirit, uh, we again we just thank you um, that you're always working, that you are always working, bringing people back to yourself. And, uh, and we just praise you, Jesus, in this place, and we honor your presence, and we simply say, Lord, um, have your way for the rest of our time here. We just ask now that you would open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. I pray that you would open our ears to hear what you have for us. Anything that's not of you that I say would fall to the floor, and I pray an anointing upon my words that would be of, your, be, will be of, you, for, of you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, well, as we, I think you, there, we've had some new people join us, which is brilliant. Uh, welcome. Um, but uh, we shared yesterday that Johnny and I are from Nottingham, um, and we moved to Nottingham seven years ago now, um, and there was an invitation from the Bishop of Nottingham, Sutherland, Sutherland Nottingham, uh, to come and plant a resource center church in the city. Um, anyway, long story, but Johnny and I really got tricked into it, but we are, we did it, uh, and we said yes, that we'll do this, and the C of E bought us um, a, um, there was no sort of building for us to go into, so they bought us this sort of derelict building that wasn't a church building, uh, it was a, an old auction house that had got completely run down, been closed for years and years and years, and it was derelict, but it was an amazing uh, space that had huge possibility. Anyway, C of E bought that for us, uh, and we, um, or the diocese bought that for us and as we arrived uh, we uh, started to gather a team in our house but obviously the building was still derelict and all of this anyway the first nine months we were kind of cultivating culture and vision and all that good stuff in our home meeting in different church buildings because the the building wasn't ready um, anyway we eventually did some paint parties um, and we grew the church out of our home and we kind of gathered everyone to start basically we just wanted to meet in this building we wanted to get into this derelict building um, and so we did like paint parties and we made it look okay enough, you know, safe enough for us to begin to meet in there. Anyway, so our sort of first uh, uh, official Sunday, if you like, uh, was Easter Day 2017. And, uh, and we met in this, uh, in, a, in a different space now, but uh, in, a, in, a, in one of the spaces that we had made good. And, uh, and as we, Johnny and I were welcoming people into the space, uh, as you do when you plant a church, that you're literally like, come in, everybody come in. You know, desperate for bums on seats, aren't you? Um, anyway, we were welcoming people coming in. And there was this guy that we had never seen before that came to the entrance of where we were meeting. And, uh, and he looked a bit like he was kind of looking around, a bit confused. Anyway, Johnny ran up to him and was like, oh, hi, you know, welcome, come in, come in. And he was looking around. He said, oh, I just wanted to see what you've done with the place. And Johnny was like, oh, okay. Um, and he said, God's going to do amazing things in this space. Uh, and Johnny was like, that's good. You know, that's great. You know, we're so, we're hopeful for that too. And he said, no, seriously, God's going to do amazing things in this place. I've got to tell you a story. Anyway. We were like, brilliant. He, he didn't come into the service. Actually, he did in the end, didn't he? He wasn't going to, but he decided to. Anyway, we met with him the next day. 
Um, I'm being really speedy because I want to make sure I get to what I'm actually going to say. Um, but we met with him the next day, and he told us this incredible story uh, that he um, had had a dream in late 2011, where this was not even in our minds. 2011, he had a dream that he was driving down the road outside of our building with his wife. And as he passed by the doors of this building, uh, he said that people were leaving the building um, and they were falling down in front of his car. And they were wearing all white garments. Um, and, uh, and as soon as they basically came out of this space, they fell in front of his car and just fell down onto the streets. Um, anyway, he got out of his car and he was like, what's going on? This is all in the dream. Um, and he heard a voice saying to him in the dream, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so after a while, he heard an, another voice um, from within the building. So in his dream, he sort of got out of the car, and he was like, this is strange. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So he began to sort of make his way through to see what was going on. And he said as he entered into this space where we were meeting, where he entered into this uh, space in his dream, he said he saw worship of the kind that he'd never seen before. Um, and he saw uh, this minister baptizing tons and tons and tons of people. There was like a procession of uh, people, and they were all wearing these white gowns. And as they left the pool, they were being baptized, and they left the pool, and they walked outside of the building, and then they fell down in the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so that was his dream. And he said he didn't really do much with his dream. Uh, he told his wife and his sister, but nothing else. Six months later, uh, he had another dream where God showed him Isaiah 55. And he said, go and consecrate that place because I will glorify my name there. And so he, uh, he was like, oh, all right, I need to go and consecrate that space. This is a derelict building right now, 2011, not even a pipe dream of a church. And so he, uh, he woke up and he took his oil as a, I mean, he's, you know, I mean a crazy man, right? Took his oil, olive oil, these big uh, pots of oil, and he drove up into the car park. He put some music onto his car and his van. He was a painter, uh, just a builder in the city, put his, his uh, worship music on, and he basically chucked oil all over this building. You know, he said he signed every cross, every, every window, every door, just sort of consecrating it to the Lord. And he was there for two hours. Uh, and he was like, okay, job done, brilliant, consecrated. Next week, God woke him up again. And he said, go back and do the same. So he went back the next Sunday and he consecrated it, bought his olive oil and all that good stuff. And, uh, and the Lord would wake him up every single week. And so he actually stopped waiting for the Lord. And, uh, and so he prayed over this derelict building for two years, every single Sunday, anointing this space for God to glorify himself. So when he came to meet us at the beginning of our church plan and said, God's going to do amazing things in this place, he totally knew he had the authority to tell us. I mean, it's everything you want to hear when you plant a church, isn't it? <laughs> um, but it was so kind of the Lord because he was actually told, that God uh, told him through another set of events um, that, the, that this derelict building had been bought by the Church of England, you know, sort of four years later or whatever. Um, and so he was just absolutely gobsmacked. And so he, over lunch, he was sort of saying to us, 
honestly, I'm as surprised as you, you know, that I had, hadn't been just doing this wacky thing every, every, every Sunday, but actually this was of the Lord. So it was a hugely exciting and, uh, you know, uh, fulfilling moment, you know. Anyway, this has increased <laughs> a conviction that was already within Johnny and I that the church was and is God's idea. It's God's idea. And he will fulfill it, and he will make a way. That he was making a way years and years before Johnny and I even knew we were going to lead the church there. And that's happening in your life too. He's paving out ways. He's making a way where there feels like there is no way for stuff that he wants to do in your life. It might be years from now. Don't underestimate what God can do when you say yes to him. Okay. And so we carry this uh, Moses conviction, if you like, uh, from Exodus 33 at Trinity and Johnny and I, that only if your presence goes with us, only if your presence, you know, we, we have this deep desire for God to be in the room. If he's not in the room, let's go home. <laughs> let's just stop. It's a horrific thought, isn't it, that we would build the church, but build anything in vain. I don't want to build anything in vain. But, you know, this also plays out in our everyday lives, doesn't it? I said yesterday, for those that missed it, this won't make much sense, but um, if we want to be the here I am, send me people, if we want to be the here I am, send me people, how do we partner with the Spirit? How do we partner with the Spirit that is going before, that is making a way? How do we partner with Him in our everyday life? And Paul helps us, and we're going to camp here, uh, for a little bit, um, in Romans 8. Romans, my favorite place uh, to, to sit and read. Uh, Romans 8, 1 to 8. So if you have your Bible, uh, open it up. Um, we'll have a little look here. Uh, Johnny, do you want to read it for a lack of, for another voice? You can do, darling. Thank you very much. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Um, so really, in brief, uh, Paul is saying, so now we are free. We are free, right? We're free people. We're freed uh, from sin and death because of what Jesus did on the cross. Um, and we are to live a new kind of life. Right? We're invited into a new kind of life. The one that these guys are being baptized into. Uh, that you are being baptized into living a new kind of life. Uh, to live not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit who lives in us. 
Okay, this is such good news, and we don't need to repeat the good news because you guys have done such a good job uh, of telling us the good news. Um, but this is such good news that we get to live in this new way, but it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard to, to live it out so often. And Paul is helping here. He is helping us out. He's explaining to the Romans how they might begin to live in step, to walk in step with the spirit that now lives within us, this new life that we get to walk into. Galatians 5, 20, 24, you don't need to bring it up, but it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When you're baptized, you are crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. We don't live under its power anymore. We don't live under its power anymore. Since Carrying on, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so uh, going back to uh, Romans 8, Paul then gives us these two existences that help us out as we want to learn to live uh, in accordance with the Spirit. Okay, so he gives these two existences. He says, a life according to the sinful nature, the flesh. He calls it this word, the flesh. And basically that means anything in our life that is not subject to God, anything in our life that isn't given over to him, that he's not Lord over, is flesh. And Paul says, um, a life according to the sinful nature then has a mind that is set on what the sinful nature desires, which means that we then begin to be controlled by these desires, which then ultimately lead to death. Okay, you're all with me? A life according to the Spirit then, this other existence, the life according to the Spirit is a life that is given over, it's sustained by, prefers and controlled, surrendered to the Spirit, okay? This life has a mind that is set on the things that the Spirit desires. This then leads to life and peace and kingdom advance and all of that good stuff. And then he says then, uh, he's, he, Paul's then saying, as Jesus people, verse 12, as Jesus people, he doesn't say Jesus people, but Jesus people, uh, verse 12, he says, we have then, as Jesus people, an obligation. I think that's a really important word. We have an obligation to live by, to live according to the Spirit. This, therefore, it takes human agency. It takes choice. It's kind of, we've got to play our part in this. And so we need to ask the question as followers of Jesus, what's, what's your mind set on? What's my mind set on? It's a, it's a discernment. It takes discernment and then choice to then step with him. And it doesn't just happen. I think we sometimes think, oh, I'm so frustrated. It doesn't just happen that we bounce into this like, I'm now in the, you know, now in the spirit, you know. It doesn't just happen. We have to starve the flesh. It has no power on us, but we have to starve it from our lives and keep our minds then set on what the spirit desires. And when we choose and I'm going to go into some real practical things in a minute. When we choose what the Spirit desires, the way of the Spirit, the ways of the Spirit, we're then empowered. So it's like our part is to make the choice, and then we're empowered. It's like we make a choice to join with the Spirit, and then we sort of fall into the slipstream 
of the Spirit. Does that make sense? We're empowered. We join in with the Spirit that lives within us. It's a bit like, I was thinking about it, it's a bit like a lazy river at swimming pool. You've been on a lazy river, you know, where you have a choice, right? I, I find it very hard because, as I said, I, I don't like the cold. So when my children want me to go in swimming pools, I find it quite difficult. But anyway, um, the choice for me is to get into the lazy river, right? And there's a choice to go round the corner to then join in the slipstream of the spirit, you know, of the water. It's a bit like that. We make a choice as an agency to partner, and then we're empowered. Does that make sense? Okay. And so I'm going to give you three examples, just things that in my life uh, that will help us, I think, bring some practical uh, illustration, I think, of how this might play out um, in your life. Uh, sort of bring a bit of reality to things that can sort of stay up here a little bit. Okay, so the first one then, seeking approval. Sinful nature. The sinful nature needs and desires the approval of others. It just does. The sinful nature desires and, the uh, the, and desires the approval of others. And this then is a mind that is set on winning that approval. It will mean we may strive to please those around us. It will cause us anxiety and burnout. We might lack self-care, caring so much about what everyone else thinks of fear of rejection, fear of making tough calls that might displease those around you. It might be that in this mindset, it's hard to, to be obedient, obedient to God, obedient to the truth, obedient to the voice of God for fear of losing someone's approval, making a call that you know is going to really pee the person off next to you, but you know it's the way, you know it's God's truth. This mindset will lead to bending truth, exaggerating, spending huge amounts of energy potentially on, on your outward appearance, your facade, how people see you. Perhaps some of you here are waiting for validation from people around you on something that God is calling you into. And you're stuck because you're waiting for validation from people. And he's like, I've validated you. I'm validating you. Okay, so what does this look like according to the Spirit? It's a mindset on the fact, and we said it, that he, Paul said it, that there is now no condemnation in Jesus. That you are, let this sink in. We hear it all the time, but let this sink in for a moment. That you are completely and utterly approved of. Full stop. Completely and utterly accepted, forgiven, justified. Nothing you do or don't do will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Meditate. This is all grace. The verdict over your life is very good. It's yes, very good. When he created human, he said very good. That's the word over your life. And God has been, this is a massive area for me. And so this is, uh, God's been really teaching me um, how, he sort of, he said to me, I want you to be full in me only. Uh, and so he's teaching me what it looks like to be full in Christ. And he said, I don't want you to be famished or fat. I want you to be full. I don't want you to be famished when you lack encouragement. 
I don't want you to shrink when there's criticism. When people don't like what you have to say, I don't want you to be starved. But I equally don't want you to get fat on praise of man, on people thinking that you're great. Not that that happens that often, I promise. But, you know, don't want to get... <laughs> you think I'm great, thanks. Uh, but you don't want to get... <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't want you to get fat either. It's empty. They're all empty. I want you to be full in Christ, full in me where everything else is a bonus. And this posture makes us so flipping free to serve Jesus in however he wants us to serve him. It means we can obey him in the hidden season. It means we can obey him in the scary seasons. And it means we can obey him in the seen seasons. There's nothing wrong with being seen. But no, don't get fat on it. Be full in Christ. Okay, second one then, comparison. Sinful nature is to compare self to others. This then has a mindset on looking side to side. Looking and measuring up what other people are doing around you. Perhaps what they look like, what other stuff they have, how much money they have you know, what great house they have, whatever, what others have achieved, how smart somebody is. You know, there's a, there's a comparison by looking side to side. I'm getting like a musical array in the back here. I think it's somebody's phone. Um, potentially how spiritual or holy somebody is sat around you or being, you know, sort of in your world. And this mindset, looking side to side, it leads again to death. It leads to anxiety and fear. It leads to competition, knocking people down to make yourself feel a bit better, judging others, perhaps even guilt, that you're just not doing enough, that I'm not, I'm not enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not holy enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not obedient enough. You know, it's like this looking side to side, finding the measurement for your own self-worth. However then, the mindset, according to the spirit, the slipstream as we choose this way is blessing others. Blessing others. Put others before yourself. Encourage. Let encouragement just flow. Just let it come out of you, wherever you are. Encourage others. Affirm people, especially when they're better at stuff than you. <laughs> and, and sort of better at the stuff that you're really good at. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? But don't you find that when you, when you bless and encourage and affirm, there's just so much room. You feel your whole heart expanding, don't you? Like you just feel good. It's like, oh, I'm in the realm of the Spirit. This is, it, took, it, it was hard to get there, but it now feels like the lazy river. It feels so easy. And so it's that nudge to affirm, that nudge to bless, that nudge to encourage. Celebrate others' successes, which you do clearly very, very well here. Trusting that God will raise you up in his time, that he'll raise you up, that he has a story for you and the person next to you. That you don't need to drag the person down next to you because he's got a story for both of you. There's a hope for both of you. 
And I think one of the things that I've particularly realized in this area is that kingdom obedience isn't fair in an in a, in a earthly sense, in a worldly sense. In the values of the world, some people's obedience leads them to like Southern California. <laughs> some people's obedience to Jesus leads them to China's orphanages. But if we're looking side to side, like why am, or, or even like obedience to do things that seem quite mundane. But if we're looking side to side, it's like, oh, but they're doing that and they're doing that. We will completely miss the assignment that the Lord has for us. It doesn't work like this. Like I said yesterday, we're living for a much better prize. And the much better prize, prize is being face to face with Jesus. And so let's just stay on our path. Lord, what are you calling me to? What's the obedience? What's the next step for me? Don't fall into comparison when it comes to things of obedience. He's weaving things together. He's doing something so much bigger and greater than we can possibly imagine. Okay, the last one then. Control. Little one. <laughs> yeah, to close it. Let's end on a high. I hope this is encouraging. Um, okay, sinful nature then is the attempt to be in complete control. <laughs> I must be in complete control. And it has a mindset then. The mind that is set on keeping everything in control means that I need to keep everything around me in total order <laughs> and complete safety. That's where the mindset goes. And so this leads then to perfectionism. Again, anxiety and fear. We become risk averse. We want the risk assessment for life before we do anything. Obedience then needs measuring. It's like, oh, God, you said this, but I'm not sure. Should we, should we talk about, I'm not sure this actually measures up well. I'm, I could, oh, I'm not sure. It's like, what? If God says go, go. <laughs> Perhaps we become tight financially. You know, we, we've got a poverty mindset. And so it's like, I, don't, I can't be generous because I, 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 I'm worried about my own finances. I've got, I've got to keep it tight. You might even begin to control people around you. If you lead people, staff, you might begin to control them because they might do things differently to you. Clearly, I mean, I totally agree with Johnny. These guys lead so like, uncontrollingly. Uh, just allow so much room for people to thrive. Um, so well done. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, you, it, we're in this mindset. We're unable to let um, yeah, others do things uh, differently. Un un unable to let people grow around us and flourish. Okay, and this leads to death. So according to the Spirit then, what does it look like according to the Spirit? Is surrendered to God's outcome. And it's surrendered to his will. It's a mindset then on obeying God's voice no matter what. Again, I spoke a bit like, uh, about this yesterday. Obeying God's voice no matter what. Trusting God when it doesn't make any sense. Trusting him when it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Don's story I shared earlier doesn't, didn't make any sense. But praise the Lord he kept doing that. It means that we'll take kingdom risks that we'll be radically generous, not just with money, but with our time and, our, and our, what we have, our houses perhaps. You know, we, it, we'll, we'll become wide open, generous to give away what we have with, when we flow in the spirit in this way. 
will receive faith and flexibility. Like God changes all the time. You know, he doesn't change, but you know, he's. He, I always find that he's like, oh, we're onto you know onto this, or you want me to do this? You know, it's like there's a flexibility in the kingdom. I think, and if we're in constant need of control, we're not going to join in his ways. Trusting in God's power over your own abilities. Let it, uh, letting others uh, grow and risk around you. And I think, um, yeah, really where this lands for me is obedience without the neat bow. Giving up controlling the outcome. Um, and I just was talking, Johnny and I were talking about this on the way here. We were listening to this amazing story about this woman actually in China. Uh, who was doing incredible things, um, and so much of her story didn't make any sense, you know, in this world. We just can't see, can we? We can't see everything that the Lord is doing. And we were just saying, we need to do such a better job as Christians to be okay with things not making sense. <sighs> we don't see everything. And I think if we all want, if we sort of say yes, only if it, 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 it ends up like this, we're just going to fall into bitterness. We're going to fall into despair because this isn't the way it meant to be. But actually, we need to be all right with the mystery that God's doing beautiful things because that's who he is. And actually, we can sort of step into his ways without knowing how it's going to end. I do have a story about that, but I'm actually going to leave it and we're going to um, do some prayer ministry. So to end then, let's discern all of us myself included very much. Let's discern what are, what are our minds set on? Where is the Holy Spirit challenging you with some of this stuff I shared? Where is he inviting you to make a choice to fall into his lazy river where it does feel much easier? Let's join the slipstream of the Spirit with the choices that we make to walk in his ways. And so... Do you want to stand? Lots of your eyes are already closed. Sorry. Just <laughs> and let's just invite the presence of God now to come and speak to us. We've got 20 minutes, I think, before or, where, or whatever. Or yeah. And so now we're just going to do what, what um, the church over centuries have done, is say, come Holy Spirit. And so why don't you again, uh, again, as a bodily sign, just put your hands out in front of you. It just is, it's a, it's a posture that says, Jesus, I'm here, I'm ready. I want to receive what you have for me in this moment. And simply say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And we're going to wait for him. <laughs>